You're listening to the Business in Morocco podcast, the podcast that discusses all things business and all things Morocco. My name is Ryan Mimone, and I'm here with my co-host, Ryan Kirk, and our goal is to share our knowledge and experiences in order to help you gain wisdom, skills, and habits that can help you succeed in business and in life. You can learn more about us by going to our website, moroccopodcast.com. All right, let's get started with today's episode. It's going to be a lovely day. Welcome to episode seven of the Business in Morocco podcast. It's a beautiful day here in Casablanca, sunny skies, 22 degrees. Spring has definitely arrived. What's going on with you, Ryan? Well, I'm hanging in there. My wife is away in France this week, so I am juggling a lot. We have three kids. I'm driving them to school, picking them up, organizing what we're going to eat. We, we have ordered pizza this week. I'm doing dishes. I'm laying out their school clothes. So if I look a little extra tired, it's because I'm really missing my wife. I'm going to be kissing her at the door, grateful for her return. What about you? How, how's the week been? It's going well. We're continuing to put out these podcasts, so I'm spending quite a bit of time on that. As I mentioned in previous episodes, learning how to deal with software and building our brand and doing all the things necessary to distribute the podcast is deep work. So I have been specifically assigning parts of my day to do this work. Mm -hmm. And as we talked about a few weeks ago, time management, you need to prioritize. Yeah. If everything's a priority, then nothing is a priority. So I'm taking out specific time to do the editing of the podcast. And now that I'm getting better at it, I'm understanding the software. I'm understanding how to post things to the site. It's moving out of deep work more into flow state. So instead of having to do the episodes in the beginning of the day when I'm fresh and I have my creative power, I can wait till the end of the day to do the formatting of the episodes and I'm learning efficiencies. So it's definitely been a learning process, but I feel like I'm over the hill in terms of having to learn how to do it. And right now I'm just refining my process to become more efficient, which is allowing me to focus my deep work time on other subjects. You know, this is a great example for a lot of our listeners that you're learning all these new skills without taking a course, without paying for it, without going to school, without taking time off. You have just found resources online and just figured out stuff. And you run into problems, you might Google it, you might look for a YouTube video about it, you might take a break and come back to it later, but you're learning this this new skill. And so we, we need to be continually pushing outwards on our comfort zones and adding to our toolbox so that we can offer more value in the marketplace. All right, let's get into the topic of the day, which is what does it mean to be a good leader? We're gonna talk a little bit about the functions, the characteristics, the behaviors, habits, and methods and skills of a good leader. Ryan, you just gave us a story about being a solo leader at home with your wife away. Was there anything specific that you found yourself doing 
that you don't normally do and made you be a leader of your household in a different way? Yeah, the biggest thing that comes to mind is meal prep. So in my household, my wife does 99% of the cooking and I'm in charge of cleanup. So my wife makes amazing food. We eat much better when she's home than when she's away. And then after the meal, I do the dishes and manage the kids to wipe down the table and, and help out. But I needed to do a lot more meal prep because because she's not there. And so I recognize the, the gap that she's left, but also to try to get the kids involved. So having my daughter come and help, getting the boys to set the table, you know, just trying to think what are the tasks that only I can do and what are the tasks that I can pass on to my kids because they're capable of it. So I might be the only one who's capable of using the stove or doing something that's potentially dangerous with a super sharp knife. However, my daughter can be washing or peeling. My sons can be carrying plates and setting things out. So doing some delegation, doing some some oversight and management has been uh, a way to apply these lessons at home. That's a perfect example of what a good leader does. You evaluated the situation. You identified those tasks that you need to be personally involved in. You identified the strengths and the weaknesses of your children, what they were capable of doing. You effectively delegated and you provided oversight. And that is one of the aspects of a great leader, taking responsibility, doing what needs to get done. Your wife is gone. There are things that need to be done. You step up and do what needs to be done at the right moment. And that's what a great leader does. They don't make excuses. They don't blame others. They identify needs and they delegate when necessary, but they're responsible for the overall accomplishment of a task. What do you think are some of the characteristics, the values or morals or principles of a good leader? One thing I've noticed that has begun shifting globally, but it's still very it can still be very culturally restricted, is some people have the view that my followers or my subordinates are there for me as the leader, as the boss. And that's begun really shifting to leaders recognizing, no, I am actually there for them. They're not here at this company or at this organization to serve me. I, as the leader, am here to serve them. My definition of success is to see the company and the employees that are on my team looking good and being successful. If my team is successful and we're achieving results, then I'm successful as a leader. It's shifted from a very selfish perspective to one that's more of a servant leader. What about you? What are you seeing? What are your thoughts on this? Well, I think a good manager is going to enable his or her employees. A good manager is going to support the career development of each employee and help them to improve their skills and capabilities. I think a bad manager is somebody who's constantly worried about someone outshining them. Mm -hmm. I've heard it in the United States, but also here in Morocco, that people Managers will not hire people that they fear will do a better job than them and eventually take their job. Right. And if you are a leader in an organization, this is a huge problem. And Facebook actually faced this challenge early in their life. 
And one of the ways that they addressed it was promotion criteria within Facebook, a large percentage of it was based on whether or not you had adequately trained someone to do your job. Hmm. Wow. So if there was no one to take over for you, you weren't getting promoted. Right. If you had not adequately trained someone to do your job and you had not shared your knowledge and prepared people, you weren't getting promoted. Right. And that was a huge incentive to train your team, to build people up, to hire excellent people, because that was the only way that you yourself were going to move up. Unfortunately, in many companies today, you'll have managers who are defending their territory, who are engaged in power politics, yeah. and that is a sign of, of a bad manager or a bad leader. Right, feeling threatened. Another key aspect of leadership is motivating your team. A lot of people like to use the carrot and stick approach, which is do this or you're fired, do this or I'll write you up. Or on the other hand, they say you'll have an incentive. You get a promotion, you get a bonus, you get a salary increase. And they think these are really the only two ways to motivate your employees. But there have been many studies that show this is not the case. Let's listen to this audio clip from Dan Pink, who talks about motivation. And if we really want high performance on those definitional tasks of the 21st century, the solution is not to do more of the wrong things, to entice people with a sweeter carrot or threaten them with a sharper stick. We need a whole new approach. The good news about all this is that the scientists who've been studying motivation have given us this new approach. It's an approach built much more around intrinsic motivation, around the desire to do things because they matter, because we like it, because they're interesting, because they're part of something important. And to my mind, that new operating system for our businesses revolves around three elements. Autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Autonomy, the urge to direct our own lives. Mastery, the desire to get better and better at something that matters, and purpose, the yearning to do what we do in the service of something larger than ourselves. These are the building blocks of an entirely new operating system for our businesses. Yeah, that's so good. Who, who wouldn't want to work for a company that was making space for these intrinsic motivators? To give people space to figure out how to do the work that they're doing, that they feel like they have room to, to structure, they have some control over how their day goes, to have the, the autonomy. No one likes to be micromanaged. If you want to do something of value, you don't want it to be explicitly instructed. If you want to create a great company, you have to take in this, this information that these are the way that great people will be motivated. So if you want to build a great company, you want to attract the kind of people that will be motivated intrinsically. They'll be motivated by autonomy, by mastery, and by purpose, not by a carrot or by a stick. Great leaders need to make space for this. They need to be releasing. They need to find the right people and then give them autonomy. Now, you're going to find employees that they just want to be told exactly what to do. They just want a very tight job description and they don't want to have to think, but that's not going to create great results. That's not the type of employees you want to hire. You'd rather build software to replace those kinds of people. Masteries is something we've talked about in uh, one of the earlier episodes that was about deep work, where we talked about the fact that it's incredibly satisfying to, to push through the challenging 
learning that goes on when you're taking on a new skill. And you've talked about personally experiencing this through creating this podcast, that at the beginning, it's very challenging. It demands all your focus to learn how to edit and deal with this new software. But then over time, you begin to experience flow state because you're beginning to enter into that that realm of mastery. And that's incredibly satisfying and can give people that job satisfaction to keep them. And the purpose, that really reminds me of Simon Sinek and the Start With Why book. There's a great TED talk that he did. We can put the link in the show notes about starting with why. And that companies shouldn't just be focused on the specific tasks or the specific roles, but how it contributes to something important and meaningful. And people want, we want our lives to matter. There's an intrinsic desire in us to to have a purpose, to have meaning. And our careers are a big part of what we do on this earth. In the limited time that we have, our career is a huge element of, of our identity and what we contribute. And knowing that what we're doing is, is valuable, makes a difference, it has a purpose beyond just a salary, gives us a tremendous amount of satisfaction. Today's episode is brought to you by SIST British Education. For 18 years, SIST has been delivering a British curriculum in Morocco and awarding bachelor's, master's, and MBA degrees from Cardiff Metropolitan University in the UK. SIST is a unique higher education institute which operates completely in English, with locations in Casablanca, Rabat, Tangier, and Marrakesh. SIST students are privileged to receive British education and degrees with worldwide recognition, in addition to accreditation through the Moroccan government. SIST has set a vision to recruit and train top students to be world-class business graduates. I've been teaching at SIST for three years now and highly recommend it. Check out SIST British Education at www.sist.ac.ma and choose the SIST experience. Now back to the show. Yeah, one person I've learned a lot about leadership from is my father. And I don't mean just around the house and kind of the way he lived his life, even his career and his leadership in business. He was an executive in the steel industry and he has a great story. You know, he started as a teenager working at a steel factory as a laborer and then worked his way all the way up to having eight plants in Canada that he was overseeing. So, awesome. Yeah, so really cool career. But one of the lessons I took from him is that he invested in people. So when we're talking about does a leader see the people there to serve him or her, or does she see that she's there to serve the people? My dad really invested in them. And in the steel industry, they had all different workers, different types of workers. One of the ways he would invest in them is through training. All the management got to do the seven habits of highly effective people they got to do like a, a Dale Carnegie how to win friends and influence people course so they were being invested in and then even the mechanics they were all sent to be certified which was a huge asset for their career not only did it allow them to earn a higher salary but it gave them a ton of job security and the ability to, to even move to another company because of this qualification but he invested in people 
And that creates a lot of loyalty because employees see you care about them. You're not just acting in your own best interest. You are investing in, in them, which is an investment in the company. Yeah, we heard that quote from Dan Pink about motivation, this idea that intrinsic motivation is the sustainable form of motivation. It is the more vigorous form of motivation as opposed to the carrots of salary and bonuses and the sticks of disciplinary action and or firing. Mm -hmm. For me, one of the great experiences I had in leadership was in the military. So I was in the United States Marine Corps. There is a stigma associated with the military in the sense that you follow orders and sometimes people think of the military as a bunch of mind-numb robots that are just following orders and not really thinking, just acting out of obedience. And while immediate obedience to orders from superiors is true, it's not really the whole story. Uh, The military relies on creative decision makers at every level. And when you talk about autonomy, mastery, and purpose, in the military, you spend the first year simply being indoctrinated in the purpose. Hmm. So the values, the history, the characteristics of the organization, you are indoctrinated. So that the purpose of the the organization, the mission of the organization, the goal is intrinsic. It's inside of you. You understand it. You become a part of it. Mm -hmm. And then you spend the next six months to a year involved in mastery. You're in education. You're in training. You're becoming proficient in a skill or a capability. And so it's not till a year or two after you've entered the military that you're actually in a unit taking orders. So the military builds you up with purpose and mastery. And then they put you in a unit where they're going to require you to make decisions, to have some sort of autonomy. So these three levels of motivation are, are definitely built into the, to the military. And there's this idea of commander's intent, where your boss will give you an overall goal, the intent of the plan. They assign you a part of that plan, and then you have to execute it, but your boss is not going to tell you how to do it. Right. For example, let's say you're in a, a military unit, and your boss says, move your unit from point A to point B and secure this location. That's probably all you're going to get. Right. So how you do that whole thing, you as a leader are going to have to figure that out. Yeah. And that's an element of autonomy. So you've got the purpose, you've got the mastery, you've got the autonomy, which is a great recipe uh, for motivation. Yeah, that's cool. How does this apply to business? As a leader, if you simply want to make every decision in your organization, your organization is going to be limited by your capacity. Yeah, you're, you're a bottleneck. A good leader will set a vision And then, as you said about your father, enable his or her employees to accomplish that vision without telling them how. Mm -hmm. You educate them, you train them, you give them practice, and then you empower them to accomplish the task. Yeah. And, And that's how you build a great organization, and that's how great leaders operate. Yeah, that's cool. Thinking back to one leadership mistake I was under... Uh, I, I joined a team where the leader was someone who was younger than me, but also far less experienced than me. In that situation, you know, this can happen where you have somebody in your department, somebody on your team who is stronger than you in a skill set. Somebody who struggles with confidence, they can feel threatened by that and they can want to, to squish that person rather than empower that person. In some areas, this leader empowered me. 
in the finance area, they said, okay, why don't you take charge of this? You've got more experience, you're skilled in this. And so I was overseeing some financial things. But then in other areas, they were threatened by, by me and by my experience. And so what that does is it, first of all, puts my capabilities on the sidelines. So there's things that could benefit the team, contributions I could make that are not being utilized. So the team loses its effectiveness, but it also makes me feel demotivated. You know, I don't feel empowered. I don't feel like I'm able to give my full self to, to the team's goals. If the leader desires to be the most effective, that they want to produce results, they've got to be willing to, to put everybody's capacities into play, even if those capacities outshine them. Yeah, I've had mostly good leaders in my lifetime, especially in, in the military. But there was one organization I worked for that was dysfunctional. Mm. The leader would actively encourage competition among his, his managers, uh, which led to conflict on the team. And there was one individual in particular who had to be the source of all good ideas. Mm. And if he wasn't the source of a good idea, then it, that idea was the enemy. Right. And it had to be crushed. Yeah. Whether or not it was a good idea or, <laughs> or could help accomplish the mission. Yeah. And the thing about it is he was fairly effective in that because what, what you would learn is that if your idea was going to win the day, it had to filter through him first. Yeah. So that he could present it to the big boss. Yeah. It really created a lot of animosity and dysfunction within the team and a lot of stress. Ultimately, the team fell apart, the mission fell apart, uh, and it was a result of the dysfunction of, of these two individuals, the, the big boss and then one of his direct reports, uh, who was also above me. And the other thing that will just kill an organization is pride. If the leader is a very proud person and is always puffing themselves up and trying to impress people, it's going to lead to destruction. Yeah. And it did in one case. The big boss was talking to one of our clients and made an offhanded comment about a relationship to another organization, another company, which led to a huge fight about a conflict of interest. And there are two problems. One, he never needed to, to mention this this other organization. And two, it wasn't even really true. He was only saying it to puff himself up, to mm -hmm. make himself look good. Mm -hmm. But what it ended up doing was destroying the team and the, and the mission of the organization, which ultimately the contract was canceled yeah. and the job was lost and the team was disbanded. Yeah. I was laid off. Wow. All because of the leader wanted to sh show everyone how important he was. Right. Yeah. yeah. Think, Ego is the enemy. Going back to what you said about competition, this has to be used really delicately because there's some benefits to competition. It can push people to excel, it can make people excited. And we've seen in organizations, you know, department versus department competition. And ultimately, everybody's working for the same company, they have the same mission, but it can create that inner team unity. Oh, we're going to, you know, I just saw a company at uh, Cityfoot and it was uh, finance playing. Um, another department they're playing the, the engineering department you know in a football match but even on more company things you can see that the example I would use is my son plays on a football team and on Saturdays they play matches against other clubs but during the week they train and they scrimmage against one another 
Now the coach wants those scrimmages to be really competitive. And sometimes the way he referees or the way he makes calls keep the score tight because he wants the players to be really competitive with one another during the week because it pushes them to excel. It pushes them to play their best and to really try hard. However, he needs to be careful with that because they can be really pissed off at each other and one guy trips another and they can be fighting when ultimately, hey guys, let's remember Saturday is the match. We are actually on the same team. You're just wearing a gilet, that's gonna come off and we have the same uniform. Remember, we're one team. So a manager needs to really use competition delicately to bring out the best in his people, but not compromise team unity on the overall mission. I completely agree. It comes down to the purpose of the competition. Mm -hmm and whether there are boundaries. For this particular big boss, his purpose of competition was to keep his subordinates fighting each other so that they weren't fighting him. <laughs> yeah, that's dysfunctional. And there were no boundaries. It's as though he enjoyed the drama of conflict mm -hmm. among his team. Yeah. He was just dysfunctional in his leadership. It's unfortunate. Yeah. Because the, the mission of our company was a very good one and ultimately it was killed due to pride. Wow. You've been listening to the Business in Morocco podcast. My name is Ryan Kirk, here with my co-host Ryan Maimon. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Download our entire library of podcasts on our website, moroccopodcast.com, where you'll also find extra resources related to each episode in the show notes, including a transcript of the show. If you've got a question or topic you think we should cover on the podcast, fill out the form on moroccopodcast.com or email us at ryan at moroccopodcast.com and we'll give you a shout out on the show. Our theme music is Lovely Day by Bill Withers, used under Creative Commons, and we hope you'll have a lovely day doing business in Morocco. We'll see you next time. Day.